I'm Jordy. And I'm Juliet. And this is Diaper Baggage. A podcast that shows you how to get rid of the mom guilt. On this week's episode, we'll reveal the top 10 things we wish we knew before becoming parents. Plus my favorite skincare products and how to handle mental health changes post-baby. Hi, we've seen each other twice in two weeks. Actually, no, three times because I brought Wilder over for a play day, which was really, really fun. I was telling Mike that every time we've had a boy baby or toddler in this apartment, they immediately climb behind her bed and try and reach for that pink guitar that's on the wall. Every single boy does it. No girl has ever done it. And it's so funny to me. It's so funny. That like, you know, I mean, we're all for disrupting gender norms here and everything, but like, it's just innate with that. It's hilarious. I've noticed that with other things too, where of course, like we don't have a ton of blue stuff or pink stuff or boy toys or girl toys. It's just whatever. It's all gender neutral. But I remember taking him to a farm one time and I was so excited to like show him all the animals and like be like, here's a horse and here's a sheep. And all he cared about was the tractor. (laughs) Like he lives in New York City. He doesn't see tractors. We don't have tractors or cars or things like that in the apartment, like toy cars or anything. Wanted nothing more (laughs) than to touch the tractor and the chain on the fence. That's hilarious. It's like it's really it's really innate with that sort of stuff. It's very fascinating. Um, yeah, and at the playground, I feel like no matter what, it's always the little boys running around like crazy people, and the yeah. little girls are just like sitting there quietly playing in a circle. <laughs> yeah, well, I was I was telling Jordy earlier that we had a big play date with a bunch of kids, all like seven kids, five and under, under five actually. And uh, it's a lot. It's a lot of running around and yelling. And and Avi's very much like an indoor kid. But I think it's really good for her to be in these situations where she needs to sort of she's forced to be more physical. Yeah. But then I think she needs some decompression time, some some quiet reading time. Don't we all? Yeah. A hundred percent. I think that's I think that's good. I mean, I Wilder has a lot of energy, but I still think he's relatively at least at this point, I mean, he's only 17 months, but like a relatively quiet kid. I think Ross and I are pretty quiet yeah. people. Like we don't have a lot of, we don't really watch TV. We don't have like a lot of sounds on in the background right. or things like that. I feel like we spend a lot of time like in silence or quiet. <laughs> like we're very boring people. <laughs> They're not. But um, even we were at a friend's house over the weekend and they don't have kids. And, you know, you're always kind of, hypersensitive about your child, especially being in a house where there's people without children. And they were like, no, he was like, so, you know, he's very quiet and, you know, he's not like a screamer or things like that. He's, he's has a lot of energy and he runs around and he wants to play with things and touch things and like everything at his level. (laughs) The guest that was hosting us came down the next morning and was like, kind of looking around like things were out of place but couldn't quite place it. And literally it was like everything at Wilder's like level I had moved up. <laughs> so like all the picture frames and all the candles and everything that was like right at his level, I had to like move up a couple shelves or like displace around yeah. the the house. And it was so funny. But I was it was nice to hear that they were like enjoyed having him even though they don't have children. That's good. So I was like, whew. I also took him bowling for the first time. I saw that on Instagram. It was a, It's a really good rainy day activity if anyone with like a toddler... I don't know about idea. older. I would have met there were other yeah. like there were older kids there too, but it was just like it's not too intense. It kind of takes a little bit of time. It captures their attention. Like he loved pushing the ball down that little 
I don't know what you call it, tracker thing and watching the Mm -hmm. ball hit the pins and then watching the ball come back up. And he was just having the best time. And so it was a good rainy day activity if anyone's looking to keep a toddler. I'm totally going to take you up on that. Yeah. And it's not like, oh, well, this bowling alley, it wasn't loud. It wasn't like music was blasting on a Sunday morning or anything. So it was, and like we got to bowl too. So it was fun. So anyway, I thought it was a fun little tip that I would have never thought to take my kid yeah uh, my toddler bowling before but he liked it fabulous he also had his first french fry and I was like oh no but you know oh yeah that was so speaking of that the first time Avi had ketchup was with french fries and I can't remember how old she was she must have been around his age because she wasn't talking that much like she wouldn't have been able to say like ketchup or anything Mm -hmm. maybe she was a little younger anyway we were upstate and I was telling my friend how, you know, I've been trying to teach her some uh, baby sign language signs. Mm-hmm. But I was like, well, I don't think it's really working. Like, I haven't really seen her use anything. And then we gave her a French fry and ketchup, and she put it in her mouth, and then she immediately looked at me and made the sign for more. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, you, 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 know. You, know. You, you know. You just were waiting You're to deploy it when it was something you actually really wanted. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. It was really funny. I know. Because, you know, whenever he asks for to, like, taste something, we give it to him because I want to encourage him to like if I'm cooking something or chopping something or have some spices, like I want him to right. want to like taste things, but I was like expand his palate. Shit. Yeah. There's French fries on the table and we're eating some of them. And he's saying he want he said some, some. I was like, crap, I guess I gotta give him a French fry. And then he wanted more of them because obviously yeah. French fries are delicious. And so I like we heard like I like had all the adults like try to eat as many of them as possible. So I was like, they're all gone. Yeah, I'm sorry. So we had a few, but I was like that They're my friend that I uh, was out with with our two kids on Friday, she actually <laughs> hid her French fries behind her chair because her toddler didn't want to eat anything other, other than, than that. the French fries, and right? So, they have that option. They're yeah, not going to go and eat so the, like, she carrots. Just, she just would sort of pull them from behind her back when she wanted to eat them. That's amazing. Like, the, the things we have to do when we're eating with small children. Yeah. Anyway, well, that sort of leads into our next segment. Yeah. Jordy and Juliet's Top 10. So for this week, um, Jordy thought of a really excellent top 10 list, which is 10 things I wish I knew before I had a baby or a toddler. Yes. So I'm going to kick it off. Kick it off. This one, I think, really was something in the beginning, but it still translates to now. But I wish someone had told me about the mental load that came along with being a parent. You always hear about, you're not going to sleep you're not going to have as many date nights. You're not going to have as much freedom. Like you're warned about all of right. those things. And you know that it comes with the territory and it's temporary. But I think the one thing that probably will never go away is the mental load of having a child. Like I am always thinking about him in some capacity and it takes up a lot of my energy. Mm-hmm. And especially in the beginning when you're figuring out like feeding schedules and nap schedules. And totally. I mean, I'm still dealing with that now. It's just like, okay, and then I got to order diapers and I have to figure out, okay, if he's going to run out of this in a week, I need to order it now on Amazon. It's just like, there's a constant thinking about Mm -hmm. him and his needs that I just never anticipated how much energy and time that would take up in my life. And I feel like I have a partner that also thinks about him a lot, but there's just, I think there's so much more on moms or at least for for me, I feel like I took on Mm -hmm. a lot of the mental load. Well, and it's certain things like, 
the feeding schedule or the nap schedule where you're not going to write that down every day. It's right. just, it takes too much time. Right. So you're just, con- with potty training, it's the same thing. You're constantly being like, okay, she went pee at like noon, so I need to remember to take yeah. her like at some point in the next 15 minutes and then like, does she need a snack or, or just like, I forget water every time we leave the house and then guaranteed 10 minutes later, she's like, I'm thirsty and I'm like, oh crap. Like, yeah. I don't have it. It's, it's just that, like a that constant sort of thinking yeah. where you're just, that I wasn't prepared for. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll take number two as well. Yeah. Um, someone told me this later on and I wish I had known it sooner, but you're not a bad mom. You just have bad days. And I, that was really kind of eye opening for me because I felt like when I would get frustrated with him or frustrated with being a mom that I would feel like I was a bad mom and it would sort of kind of be a bad spiral and a bad cycle that I would get myself into And when my friend told me that, who now has two kids, I was like, oh, right. Like, I can, I'm human. I can have bad days. I can be frustrated with him. I can be unhappy with a scenario. I can miss my pre-baby life. It doesn't make me a bad mom. I'm just having a bad day. Exactly. And I wish someone had told me that earlier. Exactly. It's something I think we all need to remind ourselves on a daily basis. Absolutely. Um, Okay, number three. (laughs) When you are buying clothing for babies or toddlers, actually, Don't get anything with a ton of buttons or snaps. <laughs> Just stay away. Zippers or all those new magnetic yeah. snaps. Either one of those. Especially with a small baby in the middle of the night when you're just trying nope. to get that diaper change done. Like Zip it up. Oh, my God. I, I remember Avi had this cutest, the cutest. And the, why did the cute things seem to have buttons, too? I know. It was like a cable knit onesie situation, mm-hmm. long sleeved. But yeah, it took me like 10 minutes to get her in and out of it. It just wasn't worth it. And when they hit that stage where like, I remember Wilder went through a stage where like he just was like wrestling an alligator with his diaper, getting his diaper changed. No, like it was impossible with buttons. If you got one shot with a zipper. Yeah. So yeah, stay away from those. (laughs) Do you want to do the next one too? Yeah. So this uh, similarly uh, related to clothing, uh, you'll be really surprised how many outfits you can go through in a day. And this doesn't just apply to the newborn period when there's a lot of spit up and poop blowouts and like you really are going through like a million outfits for that reason. But as they get older, you know, when they start to feed themselves, that's a huge mess. Yep. Um, And then when you're potty training, obviously, you're going through a lot of pants and, you know, even like... think about that, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, she's still in a pull-up at night while she's sleeping and like, Half the time, the under the pajamas are just soaked. Oh God! You know when she wakes up in the morning, even with a pull-up. So always, I mean, I carry extra clothes for her. For me, sometimes if we're flying, I always have an extra shirt at Smart. least for me. Yeah, just in case. Uh, number five: Start incorporating multiple childcare options as early as possible. I we have our nanny; she's lovely. We're lucky that we have some family close by. But when those, Ross and I realized when those things didn't work out or we wanted someone to come and watch him during the day on a weekend because we wanted to enjoy a day (laughs) on the weekend without him, um, that we didn't have really anyone that could step in regularly. So we we found another babysitter, but it took, at this age, you know, a little while for Wilder to get used to her because Mm -hmm. he was very much aware of strangers and that it wasn't his normal childcare option. So we had to have her come over a few times while we still were around. And it was like this whole process to get her involved and now she's great and she can do bedtime and all these it's just like a great having an extra set of hands around but I wish we would have done it sooner so right we could have had that option earlier so always try to have as multiple 
as many childcare options as possible, Especially as early as possible. Yeah, I mean, Saturday night in the city is a hot commodity. Like, yep. sometimes you go through like three or four sitters before you find somebody that's yep. available, if at all. So Exactly. All right, Juliet, number six. Okay, so this is a very specific one, but if you can avoid <laughs> letting your children listen to those children children's music stations, like mm-hmm. on Spotify or wherever you may get your music, do that. Because... It's the songs are so annoying. <laughs> yeah, they and are. if you can just train your kids to enjoy listening to the music that you listen to, they don't even know it's an option for them to listen to mm-hmm. that gummy bear song. Do you know that one? I don't know the gummy bear song. Oh my god, it's so bad. Okay, I'm glad I don't know. Uh, it. or you know, like Baby Shark, which I think everybody knows at this point. Um, it'll just make your life a lot better. Yeah. That's a good that's a good <laughs> tip. Um, do number seven too. Oh, so again, very specific, but uh if you live anywhere that gets cold in the winter, get stroller gloves. Mm-hmm. I They're love them. such a game changer. I had, I had my mom. I remember my mom was like, "What the heck are these?" And then she came in the winter to watch him one time, and she was like, "These are the greatest things ever." I'm like, "I know. I told you." Right. So for anyone that doesn't know what stroller gloves are, they are Velcro, almost like muffs that go over the handle of your stroller to keep your hands warm. Because a lot of times you're going to be in and out of the stroller. When, you know, your kid picks up something and they're Mm -hmm. putting it in their mouth or you just need to wet their nose or whatever. So this way, your hands stay warm while you're pushing them, um, but you don't need to wear gloves underneath them. In fact, you can't really even wear gloves in the stroller gloves. I tried it the other day (laughs) because I was very cold and it's like kind of hard to get your hand in there. So um, they're just magical. They're they're pretty good. Um, You should do number eight too. Okay. So one of the things that I was a little disappointed about, um, you know, Jordi and I obviously work from home, we have flexible schedules. I think both of us try and do classes mm-hmm. with the kids when we can and not necessarily have the nanny bring them. Um, I was under the impression that I was going to take all these classes and meet this whole awesome crew of mom friends mm-hmm. while I did it. Um, and I was kind of disappointed to see that most of them were nannies. Like, I'd be <laughs> yeah. lucky if there was maybe one or maybe two other moms in the class. Um, so I think sometimes it takes a little bit more planning to actually like make yeah. those mom friends or do those classes together. Yeah. I thought it would come a lot easier that I would instantly kind of be part of this community. And at first it didn't come as easy to me. Maybe people just don't like me, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I found it like even the moms from my mom's group, like they live a bit further away from me. Somehow I got put into a mom's group that they're on the East side and I live on the West side of the city. And so it's hard to like meet up and have regular play dates and, and they were able to do it a lot easier. So I'm right. not necessarily in that core group. And it kind of makes me sad because I wish I had that a little bit more, but you know, I have you yeah. a mom friend, even though our kids are different ages, but, um, and I had some mom friends that moved away to, you know, the I suburbs know, and stuff, which is hard, but, um, but there's plenty of opportunities to are. keep meeting them, you know, especially now that he's going to start school. In exactly. September, exactly. So. I actually am very much looking forward to having a school community and like other parents and yeah. knowing everyone's the same age. Okay. Number nine, a thing that I wish someone had told me is I knew that like, again, I wasn't going to be sleeping and all those sort of things, especially in those early days. But what no one told me is that I would not go to the bathroom in peace. Right. There is, even with, even with Wilder as a toddler, like if I'm going to the bathroom, like he wants to be in there with me and watching and he wants to flush the toilet. And in the beginning it was just like, 
the dog would be in there and, and my husband would be knocking on the door because he had to get in. The baby would be crying. <laughs> and it's just like, you're never going to go to the bathroom in peace for a long time, I think. And go, taking a shower is like the most heavenly thing ever. Oh, I know. It's like, no one can bother me in there. Mm-hmm. Although Wilder likes to come in and he says, shower, shower now. But I'm like, nope, out. Yeah. <laughs> this is my time. But yeah, I wish someone had told me that <laughs> I wouldn't go to the bathroom in peace for a while. And last one. You take it. Okay. So um, this will lead into our bigger segment for today as well. But I was really surprised how hands-off my medical experience was post-baby. Yeah. Both in the hospital and then you have your checkup at around six weeks and then your OB, if if everything checks out, is like, okay, so I'll see you in a year. And you're like, what? 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 Like, I'm still healing. I'm still bleeding. Yeah, like, there's so many things happening in my body, and, like, you don't want to check in with me. Yeah. I think if you are with a midwife, I do believe certain practices give you a little bit more. I think doulas will do that, too. Yeah, postpartum doulas as well. So, um, encourage. I would encourage if... I didn't do it, but I think it would have been... And I was very lucky. I had a, a pretty easy delivery and recovery process, uh, but I know a lot of women who didn't. So right. if you're feeling at all, like you have questions or uneasy, like call your doctor or have a postpartum doula come yeah. and just like check on you like that. It, it's right. I, I mean, feel like you're, you're forgotten about as like a human being absolutely. once the baby is here, like while you're carrying the child, all of the attention is on you and your health. But like as soon as that baby's out, yeah. it's like nah, six weeks, you're yeah. good to go. Bye. Bye. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's, it's a good piece of advice to advocate for yourself. Absolutely. Hashtag not an ad. So on this week's hashtag not an ad, Juliet is going to share some of her favorite products because I was texting you um, over the weekend how I wanted to find a good new skincare routine and was asking where do I go to find stuff and you had some really great suggestions and I know in the past for one of these segments I did my makeup routine, my five minute makeup routine and so I would love to hear what your skincare routine is. And also, I'm totally going to bring you, I think maybe to Sephora or maybe Full Lane. Okay. And we can do a whole run through. Yeah, I'm so excited. It's one of my favorite things to do. So I, a while ago, started getting Allure in the mail, the the makeup magazine. Oh, interesting. Uh, Just you. I don't know. You know how sometimes they just end up coming to your apartment? Yeah, I never know how that happens. Like Marie Claire just started coming this month. And I'm like, I really don't (laughs) think I subscribe to this, but whatever. Anyway, so I've gotten way more into skincare. Um, and a friend from college started an organic beauty store called Folane, which I know there's one in New York, there's a couple in Boston, there's one in Dallas, Seattle. You can also order from their website. Um, so I've just been thinking a lot more about it in recent years, mm-hmm. I guess. And I'm trying to go totally clean beauty. I'm not quite there yet, mm-hmm. but um, it's a little mixed. But what I have found has really done wonders for my skin is just actually having more of a multi-step routine. Okay. So I'm going to take you through my nighttime routine because that one's a little bit longer. Okay. So it starts with um, my face cleanser, which is actually a combo two-in-one from Juice Beauty, which actually is an organic line. They, cool. sell, they sell it at Folane and at Blue Mercury. I don't think they have it at Sephora. Um, so the cleanser I use is called the Stem Cellular Two-in-One Cleanser, so both cleanses and tones. Mm. Um and, you know, back in the day when we were working together at Life and Style, I literally used whatever product was for oh, yeah. free on the beauty I table. I still kind of do that now. Um, and I really have found now that there are certain products that work well with my skin. Mm-hmm. And that one has just cleared up any 
pimples and it's made my skin look super glowy. I'm really, really happy with it. Then um, most nights I follow with, it's sort of an exfoliating toner. Mm. Um, it's a pretty big cult product from France and the name of the company is Biologique Recherche. Mm. And their sort of best-selling product is a lotion called Lotion P50 1970, which is um, a balancing exfoliator. Um, it smells like gasoline. Mike hates it. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mike. Um, but it really, again, it just sort of tones... Again, when I when somebody's like, what does that mean to tone your skin? I feel like I should probably look up the exact definition. I think it just kind of like wipes away any additional impurities yeah, and yeah. helps like balance the pH of your skin. Exactly. So that's what I've noticed. It just sort of refreshes, you know, cleans it more, exfoliates mm-hmm. as well. Great stuff. Just smells a lot, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> then um, I, I bump bop around with, with serums, mm-hmm. but I always do a serum after the P50. Um, and so the one I'm using right now is from Caudalie, which is another French brand. Um, and this is a radiant serum, complexion correcting. So gets rid of dark spots, mm. uneven skin tone. I really mm. like the way it feels on my skin. Um, and then I will do eye cream, which again, I kind of bounce around. The one I'm using right now, I like a lot. Um, it's from Ole Henriksen. I got it at Sephora and it's the Banana Bright Eye Cream. It has vitamin C and collagen. So helps to brighten collagen, helps to plump. Mm-hmm. It's a nice light formula. So I like that a lot. Um, and then I just learned, cause I would always put moisturizer on as well, yeah. but I have normal to oily skin and the last time I was at Sephora, she was like, you know, you don't really need to put moisture on moisturizer mm. on every night if you have normal to oily skin. Um, Interesting. You can if it's winter or if you really yeah. want to, but don't feel like it's a necessary step. So when I do feel dry, um, I recently switched to a gel moisturizer, mm. which I think is way better if you have oily skin. Interesting. Um, I've noticed just better results in terms of moisture level versus oil level. Right. So I'm using one from Murad right now, which is the nutrient charged water gel. Mm. I really like it. You only need like a, a little bit, you know, like a pea size amount or whatever for your whole face. Then I know it's long. It's, it's long. Good. I'm sorry. This is the last step. So <laughs> this is also a top 10 if list. <laughs> you, if you have dark spots from pimples or sun damage, you can use a hyper concentrated formula just to put on those exact areas. Mm. So I'm using one from Peter Thomas Roth that's called the Potency Targeted Spot Brightener um, that has a bunch of crazy stuff in it that helps just to get rid of dark spots. Interesting. You just need to make sure if you're doing anything with a lot of vitamin C or a targeted spot treatment like that, that it's really important to wear sunscreen. It's always important to wear sunscreen, but like... With that, just to, so yeah. you don't want the hyperpigmentation mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah. So coming, how did you come up with this, these products and this routine? Just a little bit of trial and error. I mean, I think around the time I graduated college, I was like, all right, I need to start taking care of my skin from an anti-aging perspective. Mm-hmm. So I would do sunscreen every morning. I started investigating serums and eye creams and moisturizer at night. And then... Um, you know, every time I went to get a facial, they would say, like, you really should incorporate a toner or mm-hmm. an exfoliator of some sort into your routine. And so little by little, I've sort of come across this balance of things. Um, and it's really worked. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to go with you and try to find out what mine I will know. Be. If we were more high tech, we could, like, bring a recorder with us. So I could We could go through it yeah, together. But, but we, pro- we probably won't, so. We probably we'll won't. We'll tell you about it later. Maybe we can post some photos on Instagram. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing. You're welcome.
On last week's episode, we talked all about body changes and sort of having, finding that balance between wanting your post baby, post, your pre baby body back (laughs) and feeling the pressure to have your pre baby body back and and owning it and where it is now, et cetera. So we thought it would be an interesting follow-up to talk about the mental state after having a child and and how it goes through ebbs and flows and evolutions and changes starting from having a newborn to having is Avi considered a toddler? Are you considered a toddler at so. almost four? I think four is the cutoff. Gotcha. Th- I still see clothing that says four T. Oh, sorry, three T. <laughs> Got it. Well having, you know, a toddler into like a child. Right. I know we don't know what it's like to have the mental load of having a teenager right. or preteen yet, which I'm sure will come with its own Yeah, challenges. I just watched Euphoria, and I don't ever want to have a teenager. Oh, my God. I know. I know. I, and what was the other one that I watched? Oh, 13 Things on Netflix. Was that the one with the with the suicide? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just like, wait, this is how fucked up schools can be? Yeah, I know. I know it's, it's dramatic. Terrifying. But yeah, Euphoria, yeah. you're like, is everyone on drugs and having sex? All of you guys? Oh, so yeah, see things that we have to worry about in the future. (laughs) But I think, you know, something that is not discussed is the mental health of of moms. And maybe postpartum depression is talked about kind of right after having a baby. But I know for me, I sort of went through a period of, I don't know if I would say it's clinical depression or anxiety or whatever it was. But it happened to me when I started weaning from breastfeeding around 10 months and I started to have all of these really bad mood swings and was really emotional. And I remember locking myself in the closet one time because I was just like so overwhelmed and so upset and feeling like I was not a good mom and not enjoying motherhood. And I, I thought something was wrong with me and I thought like this was just how it was going to be from here on out. And it wasn't until I texted another mom friend of mine who said oh, I went through the same thing when I weaned from breastfeeding. It wasn't until I got put back on birth control that regulated my hormones that I start to feel better. And I was like, oh my God, so I'm not crazy and feeling this way. Right. And I went to my doctor and they put me back on birth control pills once I knew that I was going to be done breastfeeding. And lo and behold, I felt so much better afterwards. Right. I'm not saying that's the cure-all for everyone, but it certainly was indicative of the fact that I was going through a hormonal shift that Mm -hmm. no one had warned me about. And I was kind of suffering in silence until I heard it it from another mom. Right. And it didn't occur to you, I'm guessing, at the time that this was related. No, because no one warned me. No one told me about it. So now I feel like I need to spread the word to other moms because it can hit you so much later. I mean, I almost had a one-year-old and it was hitting me at that point and not, you know, in the first few weeks. In the first few weeks, I felt pretty like felt pretty good. And so I think it's just important to have these conversations. And I actually met with another mom who didn't have any issues with her first. And she was telling me about she had her second, who's um, I think maybe nine months now. And after she had um, her second, she started feeling like this really intense rage that she couldn't control. And ended up going on like (laughs) anti-anxiety medication or antidepressants. And was talking to friends about it later on and they're like, oh yeah, we're on them too. It's like, well, why aren't we having these conversations? Mm-hmm. Why aren't we talking about the mental health of, of moms? There was a, I haven't read it yet, but I just saw somebody posted an article from the New York Times parenting section about the rage of motherhood yeah. um, and how it is something that no one ever really 
discusses and how I think, I mean, I think we're living in an interesting time right now where there is a lot more openness about these things. Mm -hmm. That being said, it's still not where it should be. Right. Um, But I'm glad that there are more articles being written about it and there is at least a little bit more free-flowing dialogue. But there's still so much that you don't know about until you're in it. And, you know, like for you, if you'd known that that could have been a side effect, like maybe you would have gone and gotten your birth control prescription filled like before you started weaning. So, like, everything was hunky-dory with that. Or just not have suffered for months feeling a certain way. Exactly. I could have done something about it much sooner. Yeah. And, like, been a much less miserable human being for a few months. Well, I think going back to what we've said you know, over and over during this podcast is that there is this assumption that when you're a mom, you are a superstar and you have to be perfect and Mm -hmm. that you aren't allowed to have these days where you don't want to be a parent or you don't Mm -hmm. like your kid very much or whatever it might be. And, and like you were saying, like no one is perfect. We all have our days or weeks or months when we're just not feeling up to it. And I think it can cause even more problems when you don't allow yourself to feel, feel that the, and yes. to investigate that. Yes. Um, and just sort of shove it down and be like, yeah, I'll deal with this another time. Yeah. And I think it's kind of going back to the point you were making about the medical check-ins. Like no one is going, no one's checking in on you. Yeah. I think there should be some sort of systematic check-in at least through the first year. Right. Like every time your kid has a checkup, they should be checking on in on the mom too. And, and they don't do that. So you kind of have to be your own advocate. And I would just encourage women to be honest with that conversation and, open up about like, oh yeah, I was on anti-anxiety medication right. or whatever, whatever that your story is, just so you feel a little less alone. And I don't know, we, like, we I live, think, I feel like parenting and motherhood can be an isolating experience sometimes. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember, I mean, like we were saying, sometimes you don't always have mom friends that you're super close with, but you have a support network, hopefully, right? Yes. Maybe that's your own parents or maybe it's an older sibling or just Someone you know, but don't be afraid to reach out. Yes. If you're feeling anxious or sad or angry, talk to someone. Yes. You know, because they could know a way to help you that maybe you haven't thought about or they could have gone through something similar. Um, but it's important not to suffer alone or suffer in silence. Yeah. Guaranteed there's someone else who is multiple, millions of people going through the same thing as you. And we can always be a resource for you too. If you feel like you are feeling a certain way, like we are happy to be honest with our experience. At least we can't speak to anyone else's experience, but I will always, always, always give you an honest answer Mm -hmm. about the things that I've struggled with. I'm still struggling with Uh and you know how at least I dealt with it, but I just encourage everyone to really just be an open book when it comes to the trials and tribulations and, the mental health of being a mom. That's it for now. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you on the next episode of Dead to Baggage.